0: So this is everyone's warning. If you liked Kubo and the Two Strings, don't listen to this podcast. Well, yeah, there's just no point in, in ruining something for yourself that you liked. A lot of people liked this movie. And, you know, it's so- not actually a bad movie the way a lot of the ones that we do are. Mm-hmm. But the fact that so many critics really liked it and so many people really liked it. That's why we're doing this. It's for sure strange. It should not have gotten a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was crazy. This movie is at best average and at worst troubling. (laughs) There are a lot of troubling themes. Your family is very powerful. Your mother used her magic to save you. Kuba, run! And bring me to life. What are we going to do? We're going to find your father's armor. It's the only thing that can protect you. Many years ago, I was cursed. This great adventure is my destiny. Your magic is growing stronger. You need to learn control. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah, and this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast, where today we're talking about Kubo and the Two Strings, where they just took a big old theme shotgun and just <laughs> shot their script full of holes. <laughs> yeah, they did. Starring as voice talents Charlize Theron, uh, Matthew McConaughey, a kid. Art Parkinson. Ken Watanabe. Yeah, I knew his name. <laughs> uh, Ken Watanabe. Rooney Mara. Oh, Rooney Mara, Ray Fine. This is coming from the stop motion studio, Leica Studios, which is. Uh, they did Paranorman and the Box Trolls. And so mm-hmm. they've done a bunch of other stuff that was critically acclaimed that was maybe also not quite as deserving as everyone else seemed to think it was. They definitely approach subjects with a hammer. Yes, nothing is subtle and nothing. Yeah, and you know, that's honestly not... That's just lazy. I saw this referred to somewhere as bravely sad. And I don't think it's bravely sad. I think it's just that, you know, a lot of times that's a crutch for development or a story. Well, yeah, I heard there, you know, I heard it praised for tackling a lot of tough themes for young viewers, but not being afraid to shy away from it. But I'm like, the problem is they never resolved a lot of things that they should have. And then the answers they did provide were trite and untrue. Yes. And they actually presented themes that they didn't realize they were presenting and then addressed them in an unhealthy way. Yes. Um, So let's just get into it. You know, this is um, a movie where there's going to be a lot less little things that are wrong with it. It's really more going to be big things. And this was a solid first act. Oh yeah, it was good. The way it opened with like the sense of drama about it, Mm -hmm. it, the movie is beautiful. But so like a lot of it's just gonna be telling the story, but we're gonna hit some thematic notes that are very troubling. (laughs) If you must blink, do it now. Pay careful attention to everything you see and hear. No matter how unusual it may seem, please be warned. If you fidget, if you look away, if you forget any part of what I tell you, even for an instant, then our hero will surely perish. We see a woman on the ocean. She's got a baby in a beetle kimono, like strung up on her back. Mm-hmm. And she's holding a three-stringed samisen which she uses to break through a massive wave with like magic because they never really get into it. Magic is just a thing that these people can do. Some people yeah. can do never explained. Yep. Totally fine, but it doesn't scare other people by the way. No, it doesn't. Magic is just a part of this universe yeah. and no one comments on it and it doesn't make you special. No, 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 nobody ever comments on it. A little bit weird, but I'm willing to accept it. Like, if this was the only thing about this movie that I had a problem with, that would be fine. Yeah. She can't best the storm, though, and she washes ashore with her crying baby. We're told that his name is Kubo. His grandfather stole his eye from him. And that's the least of it. I don't know why they keep adding that's the least of it. It doesn't ever make sense to me. They never really resolve... No, that it doesn't make sense. Even yeah. at the end, that, that line doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I mean, presumably it's that he took his family from him, but I don't know, they never really resolved no, it in a way that made sense to me. Yeah, no, I don't think it is about the family. I think honestly. it just sounded cool. Yeah. Also, this line, if you forget any part of what our if you forget any part of what I tell you, then our hero will surely perish. That's a recurring line. Um, and memory is kind of the first Theme that gets introduced. Yeah. So we're, right now we're getting told this idea of like, if you forget, this character will die or like yes. disappear from existence. Yes. Just throwing that out there. We cut to Kubo, who's about twelve. They say on Wikipedia. Okay. Eh, he looks younger out. to me, but yeah. We cut to Kubo waking up early in the morning. He cleans the house, makes a meal, feeds his near comatose mother. Yeah, she's almost. I, I would I would call her nearly catatonic. Yeah. Then he goes to town with his Samson, the Samson the mother had earlier, to earn a living as a street performer and storyteller. We meet who this woman who I find to be incredibly annoying. This old woman. Who, oh, I hated her. Well, the problem is they use her to crack... They're not great at jokes in no. this movie. Because it's really inconsistent with the characters they set up. Yeah. They, and they try and tell jokes like Mushu would tell jokes. But without ever establishing a Mushu character. They don't have his sass, though. I know. So they give them these sassy jokes or these really modern things in an old context. And it doesn't work because they're never established that way yeah this old woman is the first example of this yes but it also really bothers me the way her mouth moves (laughs) her mouth moves strangely like her lips don't work and i i hated it well this woman is also troubling for another reason which is that she's She's too old to be in a movie (laughs) get it together this is hollywood that was exactly my thought okay the other reason (laughs) is that she is never expresses any sort of parental concern for Kubo. Mm -hmm. She seems to be the closest friend he has in, I would argue, only friend. But she never inquires about his home life. She never asks where he goes. I mean, this is a, a village that seems small enough that you would expect them to know about him and his mother living all by themselves. Yes. And that nobody ever sees the mother like but she never expresses any sort of concern about this. So to me, she came across as very selfish and unconcerned. Agreed. And character-wise, as as the only other adult woman in the story, she should have been at least some type of temporary surrogate mother when his mother's catatonic. Certainly at least trying to be. Yeah if she gets pushed away okay but she should at least try and it's funny because in some ways this movie is very modern but in other ways it's like well he's 12 years old he's the breadwinner and and i'm like well yeah that would have been acceptable at the time but it's weird for a modern movie that's very modern in other ways yeah to not ever question why he's not in school or being taken, or no one's trying to take care of him or no one's wondering about the mother Mm -hmm. i don't know So this whole setup of him as a caretaker child, they establish really early on, and it's a very serious caretaker situation, and yet they never deal with it in a serious way. Right. So that also brings me to the fact that there is a real impact, negative impact, that caretaking has on children. And they never address it in movies like this. People honestly never address it in real life. They're always like, oh, it's so sweet that your kid's taking care of you. Like when people are single parents and you talk about how their kids are emotionally caring for them. And people are like, that's so sweet. Your kid's so amazing. No, your kid's, I mean, it is amazing, but your kid's going to be screwed up. Right. It really messes up kids to have to care for their parents. And that would have been a really brave and interesting subject for them to tackle in a kids' movie. And yet they completely ignore it for no, easier stuff. I would say they almost glorify it. Oh, they do. He's presented as, like, he's held up as, like, a hero. And yeah. to be fair, what he's doing in his situation, he doesn't have a lot of choices. No, and what you he's doing have is great. To. But no one ever condemns the mother for not giving him some form of help. So in the town square, Kubo begins telling a story with his trademark intro that we heard at the beginning, and everyone gathers around because he's like super respected storyteller. Mm -hmm. Uh, So everyone immediately gathers around, and he continues telling a story he's in the middle of about a samurai named Hanzo who's on a quest to defeat the evil Moon King. He's looking for a magical suit of armor that could protect him from the Moon King made up of the sword unbreakable, the breastplate impenetrable, and the helmet invulnerable hansa was filled with rage his soul tormented by the grief of a family stolen from him i think this is a really interesting line to be in the story because the story is being told by kubo kubo's the one who's constructing it although we will later see that it's from the mother but kubo has also had his family stolen from him yeah and yet we don't actually see this anger this tormented grief ever from kubo we see occasional melancholy we actually don't see that anger from anybody except the mother, ever. And yet is- Kubo has more reason than anyone to be angry about it. Yeah, exactly. And so as he's telling the story, he plays his Samuson, and that animates a bunch of origami paper figures that act out the story also. i assuming this is partially because they thought it would be boring otherwise, or maybe it just made it seem more magical. I don't know exactly why they did this. Yeah. They, they never focus on music as a theme he's really only portrayed as a storyteller even though his most powerful thing seems to be his music that is really interesting they never talk about music yeah they ignore it completely yeah so, in the story, Hanzo battles a bunch of monsters and then faces off the moon ki- with the Moon King, but then the bell rings that signals the end of the working day, I guess? Yeah, I guess so. And he cuts it's off like the rest of the be, story. It's gonna be dark soon. Yeah, I mean, these villagers had nothing better to do all day than just listen to the story, so, you know. <laughs> Kubo goes back home as the sun sets, and when it does, his mother comes to life and tells him stories of Hanzo we find out that Hanzo is Kubo's father who died protecting him and his mother. The Moon King is Kubo's maternal grandfather. He and his two other daughters, who are Kubo's aunts, killed Hanzo, but Kubo can't believe family would do that. Because he's a naive idiot. You have not been treated well by any family that you know of, which is only your mother. Yeah, but it's also strange because if you grow up knowing that about family, you wouldn't think it was weird. You would expect that family is no guarantee for... You would would know the only good family I have is my mother. All my other family is evil. In fact, you would probably be suspicious of all family. Yeah. And think it was weird that everybody else implicitly trusted their extended family. I know. And it's weird that they bring this up because it feels like it should be a thematic point as to whether family is always good or always evil. And family is a theme, a very prominent theme in this movie. But the idea of family, the fact that family can be bad Mm -hmm. is never further developed. They never really talk about it much more than that. He's not like, well, I don't believe my mother. My grandfather must be good. That's never explored. He's just like, from this point on, he's like, well, they're monsters. Well, he never even addresses it when he is confronted by his aunts and grandfather. Yeah. He never says, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to your family? So this is one of the many, like, bold, thematic-seeming statements that actually is not... Yeah. In any way thematic and could have been cut from the movie and not changed anything. Yeah. It's kind of like they're trying to reinforce a story point, but part of it is I think that they heard something and they thought, that's really good or that's true or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they just left it in. But I'm like, all it does is muddle what you're trying to say because you're putting all of this stuff in that's not related to what you're actually trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Kubo's mother tells Kubo that the rest of his family, his Aunts and his grandfather, are monsters. And if Kupo is ever seen by the night sky, you know, the moon and the stars, they'll find him and steal him away. Also, he must keep a little carved monkey and mm-hmm. his father's robe with him at all times. And he's wearing his father's robe that has mm-hmm. the beetle on the back. Then the mother sinks back into her comatose state. It was like... A couple oh God, hours, seemed, maybe? It seemed like, yeah. I mean, they, were just, they were like, oh, time, time, bedtime, I guess. And I was like, really? Is she a cat? She has to sleep 18 hours a day? What's happening? <laughs> well, it was weird because it seemed like the reason she woke up was because the moon came out. Yeah, but then I thought she, she'd be awake all night. Nope. But that is not the case at all. No. And so then it makes me wonder why she's in the state she's in. I guess they kind of say that it's because she's on Earth. Like, she, because she came to oh, Earth. Oh, maybe. They seem to kind of imply that that's why. But, like... They never really address it, and it just seems weird. Because once again, you're putting Kubo in a way worse situation than he needs to be in. If she had been awake all night because she has moon power or whatever, then she would have at least been able to take care of him during that time. Yeah, exactly. Instead, they just give him a couple hours, and it was really only so the mother could tell him the stories that he will repeat later on. Yeah, And so that we can see that his mother does love him. And that they have a relationship, because otherwise his his devotion to her wouldn't make... Well, it would make sense. It just wouldn't be as emotional. And to me, it does seem a little surprising that Kubo is devoted to his mother as he is. Not that he wouldn't love his mother, but that he doesn't seem to resent his mother's treatment of him at all. Which is strange. I mean, even not considering, you know, even if he didn't see it as treatment of him, he would still see it as, I have to do all this stuff and it's kind of thankless and it's the same and what is ever going to change. That night, Kubo wakes up to paper flying around the cave that they live in because his mother's dreaming. Just a shortcut scene (laughs) to establish something that happens later on. I'm familiar with this. I saw this scene in uh, X-Men. True. Yeah. (laughs) The next day, Kubo returns to town where there's a festival happening. It's the Bon Festival. It's a traditional Japanese festival. The old lady, who he's friends with, tells him it's a shame he never stays past sundown because there's all sorts of fun stuff that happens, including lighting paper lanterns to speak to dead loved ones. And when they say speak to, they mean, like, actually speak to. Because, like, oh, the yeah. ghosts show up and light the lanterns. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and have conversations. She's talking about, right. like, having a conversation with She's her She's like, husband. my husband didn't have a word to say for 60 years. And now I can't shut him up. Yeah. Kubo has never heard of this festival before. How? <laughs> it seems very famous and magical. It's hap- Well, and it happens every year. She says that it happens every year. And he's 12. But he has no... He, never heard of the festival before he doesn't know what happens after dark apparently at all but he's also never heard of the paper lantern stuff and the speaking to the dead like yeah like Kubo where have you been yeah he goes down to the graveyard to light the lanterns because he's excited about talking to his dad apparently the dark isn't necessary you would do this in the middle of the afternoon like he does it does seem like it's not necessary it is not even though she previously listed as something that happens after sundown but that's not true the graveyard's full of people that are lighting lanterns to their dead he makes a lantern uh for his father and tells him that he's worried about his mother but the lantern never lights like the others do so Kubo is angry that the lantern never lights. He gets angry at his father, uh, which is the only time when it felt like he was acting the way he should in this situation. He wanted his father to come and give him help with his mother. Yes. And he was really well, angry that he didn't. This was the only thing that felt realistic about the situation. Yeah, and maybe explain why am I in this situation. Help yeah. me. Yeah, But he waits too long to go back to the cave. So the sun sets. And the Moon Sisters show up in extra creepy mode. They told Kubo that his grandfather wants his other eye. And then his mother shows up because she has sensed their presence. or yes. She's worried that Kubo's not back. It's her two from, hour day. Yeah, but she woke started. up and she's like, Kubo, where are you? Yeah, And she fights them off. She tells Kubo he must find the armor. feel like this should have been... Like, they've been telling stories about this, but it was weird that it was, like, all of a sudden, oh, you have to find this armor. This is real. And not, like, remember, Kubo, someday soon, you're going to have to go and find this. Like, no, all of a sudden, this is all real. Go find the armor. Also, maybe a contingency plan would have been nice so you didn't have to shout it while you're fighting off your sisters. Not, you know, like, oh, if this does happen. Yeah. Because, you know what? You don't just tell your kids, don't ever light this house on fire. You also tell them if the house is on fire, this is what you do. So she sends him away with magical wings while she holds off the sisters. Kubo wakes up to a snow monkey leaning over him and updating him on the situation. His mother's gone. His village is burned to the ground. They're in the far lands and his enemies aren't far behind. They find shelter in a dead whale, which is surprisingly clean and roomy. Oh, I didn't even notice that was a dead whale. Well, the monkey, who is just called Monkey makes a comment about the smell before they go in. This is yeah. that thing of them trying to give the monkey jokes even though the monkey has not been established as a comedy character. It's all it surely the entire movie. Yes, all jokes sound super weird coming from a monkey. Any yeah. jokes they give her don't she, seem to fit her character. They also don't seem like jokes. They just seem angry. Yeah. It just seems like she's mad about it. Yeah, but she's basically like remember it's going it's going to smell terrible in there and you're going to want to complain, but remember my sense of smell is 10 times more sensitive. And I'm like the whale is frozen. Yeah, it shouldn't smell like anything. Yeah. In the whale, Monkey agrees to answer three questions. Kubo aggressively. She's like, you get three questions, kid. That's it. Yeah. Well, and Kubo's terrible at this game. So he immediately asks, why only three? Which is never answered. Who are you? The monkey charm brought to life. And you're a mean monkey, aren't you? Which she does answer and then says... That's the end of the question. Those were your three questions. This, by the way, untrue. She continues to answer questions for him throughout the film. This trope of you only get to answer three questions never brought up again. Why was it brought up in the first place? Because then she tells him everything he needs to know. Yeah, it's, she just didn't want to do that to begin with, and... So why even say you only get three questions? It was just to establish her character as angry and, like, bossy. Was it? Because that was one of those things that was like, it's the classic magical, like, you only get three questions because this is the way this works. Or, like, even if I wanted to tell you more, I can't. You can only ask three questions because my magic as a monkey thing... See, that's funny because I never read it as like a magical restriction thing. I always read it as monkey is angry and doesn't want to talk to you. Which, which is, is apparently which also, what it was. Which also would have been acceptable, but that's not true either because she continues to talk to him and answer questions. So, But I also felt like that was weird. She said, your, the last of your mother's magic brought me to life to protect you, so it shouldn't be angry that Kubo's there. It's just a weird, it was weird that they brought it up And it was weird because they never used it the way it's supposed to be used in stories, which is either that they're uncooperative and being forced into it. Right. Or that for some reason, they are only allowed to answer three questions. Yeah, that was really strange. Kubo, you're lucky that wasn't a genie. I know. So then it gets brought up and wasted and it's done in two minutes. And then I'm like, why did you even do it? This monkey by the way it takes way better care of him than his mother ever did just yeah. feeding him soup she's, when she's awake right even yeah when she's awake for hours at a time yeah. so this includes having to remind him of the seriousness of the situation because Kubo was now goofing off yeah which even is though he strange. just saw his mother he's I would assume no he's just been told that his mother's dead yeah. I also love that they. she gets annoyed like it's rude that he's slurping his soup. Oh, yeah. In an Asian culture, she's annoyed that he's slurping. I know. It's the It's go research, guys. The monkey makes a bracelet for Kubo from a strand of his mother's hair that's on his robe. This bracelet, her hair, it's a memory. And memories are powerful things, Kubo. So once again, we get the memory theme. Mm-hmm. Then Kubo asks Monkey another question, which is, do you know where the armor is? And the monkey answers it. The answer's no. The next morning, Monkey wakes Kubo urgently, telling him he was calling out for his father in his sleep, and a sheet of origami paper flew up out of his bag and folded itself into the Hanzo figurine he uses in his stories. Then she says that the figurine has been standing nearby, quietly judging them for hours. Why are you urgently waking him up now? That is so funny. I didn't even catch that. It's been hours. She's like, it's been hours. I'm, I'm, I'm my worry just reached the tipping point (laughs) now I'm concerned Koopa reminds us all that his mother's dreams used to do this the paper flying around that was why we needed that scene because we can't just establish he's magical and his magic's growing (laughs) we (laughs) need to establish which they literally spell out later (laughs) he's getting stronger that's all we needed yeah also we're not we're not familiar with magic anyway we've already been introduced to a bunch of stuff that's not real I think we could have handled this yeah there's no explanation ever given so why explain this the paper hanzo begins walking and pointing in a certain direction kubo sees this as his father leading them and they follow it with kubo occasionally stopping to goof off with his growing magic monkey says we grow stronger the world grows more dangerous life has a funny way of keeping things balanced a theme that is never further explored no it is. and also is not actually true the world would have grown more dangerous whether his magic was growing stronger or not. Exactly. Um, You can take on bigger stuff. The stakes get higher as you feel more able to get yourself into s- other situations sometimes but right but on. the fact that he's now more powerful had nothing to do with the situation that he the dangerous situation he's found himself in yeah if anything, it's the world got more dangerous but you got more powerful like exactly the cause and effect is wrong on this and th- and this idea of because what they're they're trying to do is establish the sense of balance in the universe but that's never explored in the in the world at all because if that mm-hmm. was the case then the moon King should exist along with hanzo always because that would be balance yeah but that's not what they're advocating in this and they're not even they never even again indicate that the universe strives towards balance or keeps balance enforced monkey also brings up another thing that sounds like it should be thematic but it's not magic is not meant to be easy you need to learn control we never see him having to learn control in this. Actually, we see him constantly um, overcoming situations because he doesn't have any control. Because he does things that Monkey thinks are bad and irresponsible and that he shouldn't do he does them anyway and because of that ultimately succeeds yeah and he never is out of control with his magic that makes the situation worse like no this is never so i don't know why they said this because what it sounds like is a good piece of advice it's the with great power comes great responsibility thing but like but they never expound on it so i don't know why they included it anyway Before long, Kubo's taken by a huge beetle man in a weirdly anticlimactic scene. Monkey turns around and Kubo's gone, and then she immediately finds him, and then Kubo's like, No, it's fine. Turns out the beetle man just wants the paper Hanzo. He thinks Hanzo was his master, but because he's a samurai bug. Yeah, a giant, like seven foot tall, half beetle person. Yeah, and he's just going to be called Beatle. Voiced by him Matthew holding. McConaughey. Yes, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. The first time I watched this, it took me forever to figure I out was I didn't recognize his voice. I was impressed he could change it that much. It was weird, though. It was weird. Beetle thinks Hanzo was his master from before, but he's lost his memory now. He was sent into the Far land, like banished into the Far Lands, uh, and his memory was taken from him. But he somehow has a bunch of his old stuff around because he says he gets flashes of memory. Because they're like, How do you know all this? And he's like, Well, I get flashes of memory when I see stuff that's from my old life. And I'm like, But you've never left the Farlands. Right. And if the Farlands are such an awful banishment punishment, how did you get all your old stuff? Oh, it was a gust of wind and it carried a lot of my stuff with it, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> the important thing is, memory is a theme and he lost his memory. But the flashes of memory he gets tell him he was a part of something much greater. Kubo, which is not a delusion that many insane people share <laughs> no yeah kubo tells beetle that hanzo was his father and the beetle pledges him his loyalty also as it turns out he's a really good shot with bow and arrow oh yeah he's amazing he's he splits like three bullseye bow yeah uh, nope bow's the one you shoot it with arrows yes <laughs> good job okay i'm not a beetle samurai <laughs> it's not my job to know what things are called true The three of them return to their journey, and the paper Hanzo points them into a cave where the floor collapses beneath them. They land in the location of the sword unbreakable, which is stuck in a giant bone hand. The beetle pulls it out, and then a huge skeleton warrior forms from the scattered bones. Monkey tries to use the sword unbreakable against it, but it breaks! (gasps) (gasps) Mislabeled. I know. Paper Hanzo points to the sword sticking out of the skeleton skull, which clues Kubo in, why can't he have just figured this out for himself? No idea. Um, can I can I raise a practical question here? Sure. When they start using the swords mm-hmm. that are stuck in his skull, they break on the skeleton. How did they get into the skull? <laughs> Maybe it's the age. Does metal age like that? Uh, not if it's like a... I mean, the, the super old samurai swords are, I mean, primo stuff. I don't know. Good point. So Beetle and Monkey and Kubo, they all kind of take turns distracting the skeleton while they go after the swords. Eventually, Kubo pulls it out. The skeleton dies and falls into pieces. Beetle flies them all out and they land on a beach because he realized that he could fly, which he forgot, which seems like a really weird thing to forget. It is super weird, especially since he knows that beetles can hold their breath. So I would assume that he should know stuff about beetles. So it isn't just this is the really, really disturbing and grotesque thing about Beetle he doesn't he hasn't just lost his memories he's also lost his ability to hold on to memories see i've just never been sure i guess whether he couldn't hold on to memories or whether he was such a freaking idiot that he just got distracted and i guess both of those either one of those options disturb me more than i think they meant for it to be disturbing well especially because right now so they're on the beach and then beetle and monkey start arguing about the best way to get around the long lake Like parents. Right. And so this is kind of the first time they're established as Kubo's surrogate parents. And Beatle, as the father, is that current stereotype of fathers being huge freaking idiots. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why would you do this? He's wanted a father his whole life to look up to and to protect him and to take care of him and help him and his mother. And what you gave him was a moronic comic relief father. Yes, that's very true. He's never portrayed as competent. He doesn't know anything. And, you know, you realize like if he was just looking out for Kubo, best case scenario, he might blunder into some helpful things. Yeah. So, anyway. But now we get the also the dynamic of the overprotective mother and the permissive father. It's yes. funny because this establishing scene of them as parents is not selling two-parent households. No. No, it's not. So it's like, yeah, because it's it's like divorced parents trying to work out custody I over know. this kid. Like, well, an, let's not do, we're not doing it that way. Let's do it this way. An you know overbearing like? mother who also doesn't trust the father to make any correct choices. Yeah. And just calls him an idiot. Yes. <laughs> so Kubo goes in on. In th- front of the kid. This is the yeah. worst parenting technique in the world. They're like, go over there and don't listen. Play, play louder. Yes. Well, yeah. So he goes over and makes a boat out of leaves. And for one thing, I'm like, he's not acting the way I would assume a character caretaker child would act in this situation which would be worried yes and anxious and, and mediating the fight instead he's just kind of proud of his magic look i came up with a solution and i'm like this is a weird choice for a caretaker child but it's also a weird comment on like he has always been missing parents to love and protect him, and these two people are doing neither one. Yeah. And we don't get the sense it's because they haven't figured out how to be parents yet. Like, that's not mm-hmm. what they're saying. It's just that... Well, no, if they had 20 years, they'd right. still be doing it. Yeah, yes. it's like, this is just the way parents act? But I'm like, yeah. And, and that, it's true, in certain situations they do, but when you're making a comment on somebody missing parents, and all of a sudden he has them, and they can't get anything done, he still has to do it for himself, I'm like, what are you saying about parents? Because yeah. I don't think it's what you think you're saying. No, you know what was so interesting to me is is that especially when they get on this boat across mm-hmm. going across the lake, what I was most reminded of was James and the Giant Peach. Yes. But James and the Giant Peach did it better. They're all friends. They were all friends and they were actually taking care of him in yes. a way that he had never had before, and it was an established theme. Yes. In this one, it's just kind of like if he hadn't done that, who they'd just be mad. Right. And not in a good place. Yes. On the boat, Beetle teaches Kubo how to shoot a bow and arrow. And they kill a fish they can't reel in. Apparently the lake is made of fish. They're, like, being boated along on the backs of fish, according to this. Because every single arrow they fire into the lake hits a fish. (laughs) That appears to be red on the surface. Yeah, I question how successful Kubo would actually be at learning how to shoot a bow and arrow when he only has one eye. But they never address that. Yeah. So then Monkey ties a string to the end of the next arrow, which means that they can reel the fish in, and this is the first time we see the benefit of a two-parent household, Mm -hmm. in complete contradiction to what we saw in the previous scene. Also, this bow-shooting bonding thing never Mm -hmm. comes back. No! We never see Kubo shoot a bow and arrow again in any sort of climactic scene. That's He doesn't learn anything else like that from him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, why don't, why, why did you use this to establish the bond between parent and child when all he really ever uses is, for one thing, the sword unbreakable, which is monkey's weapon, mm-hmm. not Beetle's, and the Samson, which is also his mother. Like, he apparently learns nothing from his father that he uses in a, in a fight. Right. And or in, to help him in his quest. Right. And it's because they did not give Beetle a character. Yes. His character was dummy. <laughs> with a bow and arrow. Yes. So okay. he doesn't have anything valuable to teach Kubo. Yeah, exactly. He, Kubo tells them about his mother and her telling him stories and him telling her stories and how it made her almost normal for a while. Right. So what he says is. And now they're is, like, you're, you were a hero. And I'm like, that is not, what you should be taking away from the That story. was the saddest part of the entire movie with yeah. him talking about this. So what he says is that when she was catatonic. Mm-hmm. He would tell her stories and, and it would, you know, she could, he could see that she was seeing him. Yes. And he could see her trying to get out. And I was like, this is a really, really sad look at kids living with parents with mental disorders. Yes. But it wasn't built that way. I know. And I'm like, it's good and right that Kubo loves his mother and wants the best for her. Like that should be celebrated. But it doesn't matter if it's not the mother's fault. This yeah. is why we don't let bipolar people who don't take their medication be single parents. Like, right. it's just, it's not whether the the parent loves the child. It's that the parent is not capable of providing the child with what they need to thrive. And if she really does love him, which we know she does, why wouldn't she have tried to get another caretaker figure in his life? Yes. Why wouldn't she live in town where he'd be closer to people that can keep an eye on him and watch out for him? Yeah. It, it's it's never addre- the shortcomings of the mother are never addressed no. in a way that, that they should have been because we never doubt that the- Kubo and his mother love each other yeah. that's not the problem the problem is it d- love is not enough always yeah no you're right and it's just it's so sad guess what the kid can't just step up and make everything okay that's the other thing that i don't like kubo doing this makes everything okay yes and that's what caretaker children want They think that if they just do more, they can make this okay. They can take care of their parents fully. They can provide those needs and everything will be okay. And that's not true. It's never true. Yeah. So a storm approaches and the sun is setting. So Monkey (laughs) monkey looks at the storm and then is like, oh, also the sun is (laughs) setting. Maybe we should get to shore and find shelter. And I'm like... This needs to be way more of a priority for you. If the moon king is after you and you know this is a problem, you shouldn't wait until the sun is halfway down. No. Come on. There was no plan. No, there was not. Monkey decides they need to go to shore to find a hiding place. But just then, Paper Hanzo points down and they see the breastplate in the water down below shallow lake it's <laughs> still gonna be there buddy tomorrow like you don't need to tackle this right now good point they did not feel that way though apparently that breastplate was on the move and if they didn't get it now they were never going to yeah well unclear so, I'm, I'm too about how much like how much the sisters are are doing as far as like trying to gather up the armor because they say in the village they're like oh he's going after the armor we can't let him get to the armor but you know what i never got the impression that they were going for the armor i just got the impression that they were trying to stop him from doing it and actually that would have made way more sense why wouldn't they gather up the armor it's not like it's acid to their touch like just gather it up and keep it for yourself if it's the one thing that can defeat you what were you doing for the last 12 years yeah, and that's oh, But that seems to have always been their family's mo. They know where the armor is. They just go kill people that are getting too close to it. Yeah, I'm like, there has to be a better solution to this. Nope. There's not though. I <laughs> haven't found one we yet. Clearly see. Anyway, Beetle decides that he's gonna dive into the water get the breastplate, and then Monkey and Beetle start arguing over whether Beetles can hold their breath and why Beetle would know. He's a Beetle. Can we just take his word for it? Yeah, I know. What does it matter? Also, why was this argument? Ha- this was again parents being a burden. Why is this the example of parenthood that you're cuz they're they're really pro family in this movie. It's not like they're, they're there's some debate on whether Cuba was better off with two parents in his life. Like they are pro parents and yet they, really are. they include scenes like this that do nothing but undercut their argument. Yeah, I know. I, oh For gosh. no reason. It wasn't it wasn't funny. Oh, no it isn't. It was it's, just a weird argument that was in there yeah. and that's actually why can't Monkey just trust that Beetle knows to hold that he can hold his breath? I was just gonna say that. Monkey the whole thing is that Monkey legitimately doesn't trust Beetle. So now we're getting into weird issues with parents and their own like trust issues and their partners. Like Rose, why would we bring this, this up? This movie was bravely sad. <laughs> That's why anything because happens. Kuba so. warns Beetle about a mesmerizing garden of eyes down there. And then Beetle says my favorite line in the whole movie. I love this line. Well, I won't look directly into anyone's eyes, even if I'm being incredibly sincere. <laughs> I love that. I, that was such a Matthew McConaughey line, too. That is so funny. I, I think I got up to answer the door while that line was happening, so I totally missed it. It was, I love it. It's That's great. Balling. Beetle dives into the water to get the breastplate. And then, after a while, Kubo worries something's happened to Beetle, so he dives in to help him, right, as the Moon Sisters attack Monkey on the boat. Kubo, man, let it go. Although this would have been an interesting way to look at Kubo's sense of over-responsibility mm-hmm. for adults. But they never bring that up. That's yeah. not an issue. It's, it's no. never implied that that was why he did it, or that what he did was the problem, even though it yeah. was. because he's a plucky kid. Underwater, Kubo gets the breastplate and then looks right into the eye of the monster like an idiot. Oh, yeah. Instantly, yeah, she's like turns around, there it is, mesmerized, done. Yeah, I have to say, it took me a minute to realize what was going on because I missed the explanation part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back on the ship, the moon sister talks about how hurt she was by the betrayal of her sister, Kubo's mother. This was interesting, and they never really get into it. Mm-mm. The her- moon sister's anger mm-hmm. at Kubo's mother is deep. Was interesting. Yeah, it was, and it was realistic, and it mm-hmm. was unresolved, and I really wish, like, that was really interesting about their characters, and they never really expound on it. And it's the same with the grandfather. Yes. They all felt so, lo- like, they lost the mother. Yes. And they felt so betrayed and hurt, and mm-hmm. you never bring that up. The, the stance of the movie is, but they're bad, so they're wrong, and they don't even deserve to have that addressed. Right, and- yeah, because the mother did betray them. Like, there's no question as to whether they betrayed them. Oh, like she, that's, she did a 180 on the values right. she had been raised with. It's just whether or not she was right to betray them. Yeah. And that's just taken for granted. No one ever addresses it. But, you know, what's funny is that actually ties into Kubo's line at the beginning of the movie about how could they do that, their family, but in that sense, it would be applied to his mother, and yet the mother yeah. is never portrayed as being wrong at all, even though she did betray her family. Right, and this is something that people have a really hard time with, so righteous righteous anger at the wrong side, mm-hmm. and it's allowed, you're allowed to say, you know, they're definitively wrong like they are in this movie, but... That doesn't mean that you can just say that and then when they don't accept it, now they should be killed. Yes. And that's, you know, also something that's real in all, the entire world. Today. Yeah. Like literally any situation this can happen in where, yes, um, this person is really bad and very wrong, you still have to talk it out with them if you ever want there to be an understanding. Right. So, yeah, that was... And it's never resolved. It's never addressed. And I, it's, it really made me feel bad for the sisters. Because it's clear that they don't understand why this happened. Yes. So once again, another thing that I don't know why they brought it up. Like, I don't know why they made the sisters sympathetic like that and then never gave anyone a chance, never made anyone try and explain it to them, never gave them a chance at redemption, like never gave them anything. Because they haven't totally given up on their family in regards to Kubo. Right. Right. The sisters and the grandfather want Kubo to be with them. And they know how they can make him like them. And that's what they want to do because he's their family. There's two main themes in this movie. Family and memory slash story. They treat memory and story like they're the same thing. Which they're not, but whatever. But they choose really complex points of both of those themes. And Mm -hmm. they don't have time in the movie to fully flesh them out. Especially since... They're busy dropping in all of these other thematic themes that have nothing to do with what they're trying to say. Yes. So instead, we get a lot of half stuff that is never established or never resolved. Well, this is like like we don't understand uh what the armor is why does it exist why do people want it what is the moon king what's his deal other than he doesn't want people to have this armor yeah and there's a lot of things that i'm willing to let go because it is a kids movie and it is a certain length and i understand you have to prioritize what you want to say but then they did this just scattershot approach to stuff and i'm like well you can't do a scattershot approach to stuff and then expect me to ignore the half stuff that you left in yes and part of the problem is that the movie feels really short in a bad way yeah i this was one i had to pause it a lot for unrelated reasons and i would at a certain point i was like wait there's how much left not a lot it doesn't feel like anything's happened yeah well yeah because it's it's the the three things quest you know like i have to fetch three things to accomplish this goal and while they were doing that nothing got explained or resolved exactly And I was like, how are we almost at the end of the movie? Yeah. And to be fair, I felt like that at the end of the movie also. So the moon sister on the ship, she and Monkey are fighting. Uh, And the moon sister also diatribes about how stupid it is for a mortal creature to fight to live since they're just going to die later. How stupid everything on earth is. Yep. And how love made her sister weak. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the general diatribe of the moon sister. And so we kind of get a glimpse that like, so the moon people must be immortal. The moon people must not be capable of love, although they are capable of strong emotions. They have loyalty. Well, they're capable of loyalty and they're also capable of... Anger. Anger. Yeah. And so they are capable of strong emotions. Why wouldn't they be capable of love? And if you weren't capable of love, why wouldn't you understand... That love is just essentially another form of loyalty, and therefore she just changed her loyalty. Yeah. So it's not that love made her weak, it's that for some unexplained reason, she changed her loyalty. And it is unexplained. Oh, it is very unexplained. Dissatisfactorily explained. Yeah. Also, their lack of understanding about mortality. Now they're implying that. Change is only cap- change and growth are only capable where death is possible. Like It's only if you can grow in the sense of growing, aging, and dying that you can change internally. And that, that something like that would necessarily be cold and evil and hate humanity. Which Instead is, of being indifferent. Or even benevolent, yeah. which is so strange in the context of an Asian culture, which they chose to set this in, where there are many gods that have different views towards humanity i know it's taken for granted that they're evil yeah but they are clearly capable of change because i assume they weren't filled with rage yeah before the sister left so they were capable of gaining that emotion they're also capable of change because the sister changed yeah that's yeah hubo's mother changed just on a dime yeah and how does that happen if they're necessarily unchanging, immortal, and can't love? Yeah. They clearly are, but the movie doesn't want to address that. Right. It's only when it's convenient for the yeah. plot. Then Monkey reveals that love made her stronger. <gasps> it's Kubo's mother. Dun, dun, dun. Gasp! I know, right? As they fight, Beetle reemerges from the ocean with the fish they lost earlier on the arrow. Really? He cannot be that much of an idiot. I know. He's like, I got it. He totally forgot about the armor. And see, this is where it's disturbing. Kubo's about to die because he forgot about this. Yes. It's not funny. It's upsetting. Right. He was put in a caretaker position over Kubo and he screwed it up so much, Kubo's about to die. You know, and what's funny is, so Kubo did jump the gun on getting the breastplate. He should have trusted that beetle. Right. Was capable of getting it. And he jumped the gun and he almost dies as a result. And because Beetle is a huge idiot, he's justified in that. Right. Because Beetle is incapable of doing a simple task himself, even when it's super duper important. Yeah. But also no, which means that no one can ever reprimand him and say, no, you're not responsible for this. This person said that they were going to do it. You have to trust that they will do it. Like you can't do it for them. No. And even if they don't, this isn't your job right now. Right. Which means Kubo never learns a lesson about Mm, he never learns a single lesson no he never well he's busy teaching other people lessons (laughs) he doesn't need to learn lessons himself monkey tells beetle that kubo's gone so he goes back down and rescues him from the eye monster quite easily which just proves that beetle was more capable of doing this than kubo was i know exactly he instantly gets down there no problem when he brings them back up, Monkey's killed the moon sister, one of them. Right. There's another moon sister out there who apparently did not show up to this fight. I don't know why they only decide one at a time, man. Now they're splitting up. Yeah. Monkey mourns over Kubo's unconscious body because he's been mesmerized by the eye monster. But then the boat reforms and Kubo wakes up. So yeah. that was easy. Yeah. No problem. Like, done and done. That eye monster was not as dangerous as we were told. Totally fine. Yep. Kubo reveals that the eyes showed him Monkey is his mother, and she confirms it. So why did we need the previous reveal? Why do we need both of these reveals that Monkey is his mother? We do some. Um, That happens. I've noticed a lot of that in movies lately, where they have like two reveals. I know, like one reveal, guys. The same thing happened in New Moon. It also turns out, like I thought, that Monkey had forgotten like i thought that monkey didn't realize that she was kubo's mother until she remembered it nope but that's not the case apparently monkey has known this whole time and just didn't want to tell kubo because she was gonna have to leave him like the magic that was keeping her there was fading and so she was gonna have to leave him all alone again sometime soon and i'm like well how is it different that monkey left him than that his mother left him because yeah so now instead of one person leaving him, again, it's two people leaving him. So my big question here, what magic is it that she's done that's allowed her to, even in a different form, be awake all the time and taking care of Kubo? And why didn't she use it before? Yes, I was wondering that. I was like, if you could have been this the whole time, why didn't you do that before? Because and why didn't you let him know that you were his mother? Because that way you could have had the bond that he Wanted the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And the authority that you were trying to get over him yeah. as a monkey. Yes. What I kind of thought was that the reason the magic is fading is because the mother was dying when she did this. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes me think that if she hadn't been dying, she could have done this and not had the monkey fade away. Yeah, I don't know. It's unclear. It's unclear that if doing this, is why she's fading away. So yeah, she would have done it before and faded away. That's why she didn't do it, yeah. or what the deal was. It, it's really unexplained, but it, clear. Here, this is also something that I feel like it would be important to explain to Kubo, because I feel like he's going to get older and be like, "Huh, why didn't she do that before?" Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> Kubo's wearing the armor now. Can we talk about that? Oh yeah. So Kubo is also wearing the breastplate now because when he like he put it on underwater, essentially, and it like fit to his frame. Yeah, I guess that's the deal. It fits to his frame? Yeah. How, what, what? (laughs) He's tiny. Now let's pair this with the fact that he was wearing his father's shirt. (laughs) And he goes, mom says I'll grow into it. And I'm like, it looks pretty (laughs) snug right now. It did look like it fit pretty well. It looks like it fits you. How big was your father? (laughs) Pretty small. Clearly. He was the size of a 12 year old. (laughs) So the three of them shelter in a cave where Monkey tells them how she and Han... Which, by the way, they're apparently still hiding from the Moon King, and that's why they go into the cave. I'm no, like, they know exactly where you are right King now. the Moon King does not know where you are right now, like, that's on him. He's had <laughs> every opportunity, including one of his daughters dying fighting you. So Monkey tells them how she and Hanzo met. She and her sisters went to kill Hanzo to prevent him from finding the armor. They fought. And then Hanzo said that she was his quest. He was there to find her? I I don't don't understand (laughs) Hanzo's reasoning. Was Hanzo really just on a quest to find his true love? Like, I have many other questions about this. Right. Other than how was this not just a ploy to get her to stop fighting him? Yeah, because it worked. Yeah. If if so. She fell in love with him immediately when he said that. Because she saw the humanity and the warmth and humanity in his eyes. That's all she had to say. He, we're gearing up to the big line she's like these four words changed everything and it was just like you are my quest i was like really do you mean you're gonna kill me and that's the quest yeah unclear i know yeah because you are my quest could mean well i'm just here to kill you and your sisters and your father i hope that that's what he meant but then she was (laughs) into it and he was like oh no need yeah her father, the Moon King, was not into that, though, uh, <laughs> so there was a battle where Hanzo died. The Moon King wants to make Kubo like them so that he can be part of the Moon family, cold, hard, and perfect. Perfect is clearly a subjective word here. It Most is, people would not define these Moon people as perfect. It is strange. I thought it was strange that she used that word. Yeah. It's like just calling a lump of marble perfect because it's cold and hard. Like, that's yeah. not what would make it perfect. Like, what? how are we defining perfection? Well, right. Now we're getting into, uh, are we going with platonic ideals or are we going with more of Aristotle's? That's why you shouldn't bring this up. Yeah. Monkey tucks Kubo in. He, he's asleep and she tucks him in and then the beetle realizes that she's hurt. She tells him the magic that's keeping her alive is fading, but beetle vows to stay with Kubo and protect him. She's like, oh, that's the perfect way for my story to end—to know that he's protected. And so then Beetle it's says, like, "Not really. <laughs> well, this is not a perfect end to your story, but okay." Well, you know that your child's taken care of. I could right. I could buy it from a mother who's always been concerned about the safety of her child and always been kind of terrible. Yeah, no, I see <laughs> yeah. But then Beetle tells her that her story won't end because it will live on in him and the people he will tell her story to. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, no, the story's ending. It just won't be forgotten. Yeah. it is a story with an end. It will have an end when you tell it. Yeah. Also, can we now go into the fact that stories and memories are different? Like, this is the problem. Is like, her story will end. It will become a memory. Like, the memory won't end, although it will eventually. The memory won't end, but the story will. Like... This is why they're not interchangeable, and it's weird that they say this, because later on in the movie, they directly say, every story has an end. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, did you not as read a, the previous part of your script? As a rebuttal to the evil Moon King. Yes. So weird. Just, and that just kind of, to me, shows the laziness of these themes, is they just say whatever sounds good in the moment, and they're not thinking about it to its logical conclusion. Yeah. Yes. Meanwhile, Kubo dreams of a blind musician. You're even blinder than you. Twice as much to be precise, (laughs) which means I see double the truth. This is a weird conversation for me because later on when they're talking about taking his eyes. It has nothing to do with being able to see more truth. I would argue it has to do with being able to see less truth. Exactly. So I don't know why they said this. Yeah, I don't... Once again, indirect... Because they don't argue against... It's not that the king is saying, well, you will see... This type of truth versus yeah. that type of truth. No, it's just like that you won't be able to see this thing. Yeah. Super weird. We'll talk about it later when it comes back up. The musician shows Kubo where the last piece of armor is, which is in the, you know, the helmet, which is in Hanzo's old fortress. Mm-hmm. The next day, the three of them head off and we all see how happy they are as a family. They play I Spy, and Kubo totally cheats by saying he sings a song. This is unacceptable. Yeah, he's Beetle is singing, right in saying that you can't sing. Yeah, and Beetle's like, well, you can't see a song. That's cheating. And Kubo's like, no, you just have to know how to look for it. And then he points up at some birds, and I'm like, no. Yeah, I know. Uh-uh. I'm, I don't like it. I'm sorry. Maybe this would have worked better in Japan. I don't know, and I don't care to know. It makes Kubo insufferable. There are rules to I Spy. <laughs> Well, yeah, our listeners won't know this, but Rose published a very controversial <laughs> book of rules to I spy. Uh, Things like you can't see emotions. It was pulled from publication <laughs> for excessive profanity, but you can, you can still find copies on eBay. <laughs> the birds that they see in the sky are golden herons, which leads to a weird discussion of what happens to us when we die. Why, were, why are we introducing another w- deep intricate conversation into this movie. There's already so death, much going on. And death is not an established theme so far. Mm-mm. Why are we talking about this? No, and I mean, it's almost as though we've been avoiding death as a theme because we, you know, when she says my story will end, and he's like, no, it won't. Yes. And... They don't have any definitive answers on what how It's just people being like, oh, I hear that our, so, our story doesn't end. Our song doesn't end. It just changes. And I'm like, well, yeah, Monkey pretty definitively, I thought, says, you know, you just change into something else. so Your story goes on. I know. Which does contradict what she said earlier. Kubo yeah. has not ever been concerned about what happens to him after he dies or what happens to his parents after they die. Other than wanting his father to appear in lantern form. It's just, you did not need to cram one more theme into this movie. But let's do it anyway. Right here toward the end. Oh, oh, oh. Also, why would Kubo ask what happens to you when you die? You've seen ghosts. (laughs) You know what happens. They come back as ghosts and they talk your ear off. (laughs) Yes. Why don't you ask them? (laughs) Oh my gosh. This was such a weird conversation. Anyway. At Hanzo's fortress, Beetle suddenly thinks to ask why the helmet would be there. And Monkey realizes it's the trap. You had days to realize this. The doi Yeah. The remaining moon sister shows up and berates Monkey for breaking up the moon family. Again, never resolved. She reveals that Beetle is actually Hanzo, and something that feels a little anticlimactic because we've already discovered that one parent that we thought was dead is actually not. Mm-hmm. Why do we care that another parent we thought was dead is actually not? And come on. He wouldn't show up with a lantern. We already knew he wasn't dead. (laughs) Yeah. Then the Moon Sister and Monkey sword fight. The Moon Sister is driven back, but not before severely wounding Monkey. Kubo, Monkey, and Beetle sentimentalize a bunch. Which I don't care about because Beatle barely got his memory back. I don't even know if he actually remembers this or if he's just been told this. I don't think he remembers it. I think he's just like, oh, that's who I am. Great. No, I'm your father. And I'm like, does this mean anything to you? Because you're a man child. Like, yeah. Do you want a child? Yeah. How can that? Yeah. Anyway, but just when Beetle's promising to keep Kubo safe, the Moon Sister stabs him in the back and kills him. In case you're wondering, he does not come back dead for realsies. which is great <laughs> because we just realized he was alive. Let's kill him off immediately. Also, Very uh, how bad was he at his job? Keep Kubo safe. <laughs> can not even keep yourself safe, you idiot. I know. Watch your back, samurai. Yeah. The Moon Sister is about to finish off Monkey when Kubo grabs his Samson and dramatically plays it. A flash of light emerges and we cut to the morning where Kubo's crying over the remains of the battle. A broken moon mask, a crushed paper Hanzo, a monkey figurine split in two, and a Samson with only one string remaining. Samson's have three strings, by the way, in case we're wondering the symbolism here. Samson's have three strings. Which, this was actually a great scene, was a way of showing who died. And, that was like. It was really beautiful. Yeah. And so much of this movie really was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's for just sure. the content that's weird. Well, yes, because let's talk about Bravely Sad. It was grotesque and horrifying what was done to Hanzo. Yes. It, and I don't think they meant for it to be that bad. That was horrible. That was horror movie stuff. Yeah. And I'm willing to accept it, because I feel like stuff like that happens in kids' movies and fairy tales, and no one ever really goes into it. It's like, you know, the polar bear king. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's the fact that they took his memories and either made him into an idiot or he couldn't retain memories anymore. Like, that was the most grotesque part to me. I do kind of want to know if Hanzo was always that stupid, or if that was (laughs) because of the Beatle thing. Yeah, Kubo meets his dad, and he's like, oh, mom. (laughs) Yeah. Monkeys seem to into it, though. So maybe he was always a huge idiot. Maybe. I don't think so. I feel like the quality of samurai has gone down, or up, depending on where we are in history. I can't handle that story. Also, shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) Kubo ties his father's bowstring around his wrist alongside his mother's hair, and then flies off to his former village with magic. Let's not question it. It's just he's going back to his former village because the little paper Hanzo. Because once again, it's not that he figured out something himself. It's the little paper Hanzo like with his remaining magical strength. Which, by the way, he thought his father sent the paper Hanzo. So who was animating yes, the Hanzo? I know. I know. What was it? Was it what something that was inside Kubo all along? The magic was inside you all <laughs> along? Weird, he knew that. Right. So why is this? Or was yeah. it the universe trying to maintain balance? Like, what was the deal here, guys? Under. Never explained. It can't have been the universe trying to maintain balance because the Moon family is getting killed off like crazy. Well, we have two Hanzo, it. so. Well, that's true. Maybe and Hanzo and the Moon King are balancing each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, but the little paper Hanzo points to the picture of the helmet, and he realizes it's actually the bell in his village. So, like once again, he did not figure this out on him, on his own. All he could, all he had to do was see a picture of the helmet upside down. He could have realized it on I his know. own. Kubo, how stupid are you? Very. So he flies back to his former village. All the villagers are still there for some reason. What, has this been a day? Like, they're hiding in the rubble of the burned village. That was strange. They're all out at night. Oh, can I say? And, like, cowering in the rubble. They only pick up their heads when he's out there. I'm like, this must have been weeks. It has to have been. Kubo tells the villagers that they should leave. Something that they should not have needed to be told. (laughs) I know. And then grabs the town bell, which is the helmet, and he puts it on. Then he summons the Moon King for a final showdown. Well, he has to—he has to try pretty hard at it. He's like, "Hey, I know you can see me." Yeah, he just Get kind of shouts here. at him, and it works. Yeah, it so, was my fault. Should have listened to my parents. Really? Is this the moral? You've had terrible parents so far. Yeah, this is true. You should have listened to your parents about not going out after dark. But kids do make mistakes. All yeah. this is doing is adding to your sense of caretaker guilt. Yeah, and that's why you can't that you put screwed up and therefore now you're both your parents are dead. Yeah, that's why you can't put so much on kids. Yes. But this is never negated by anyone. There's never a male no. figure there to be like, No, it wasn't your fault. Like this is just the way things happened. Like yeah. this is the way I don't know. So a weird thing to add in there. <laughs> just because just the it, final cause it was a little bit his fault, but not really. Yeah. No, it's just we had to put it in there to be the final nail in the coffin of Kubo ever being normal. <laughs> yes. The Moon King says, again, that he wants Kubo's other eye because it's the only way he can be immortal in heaven with him. Not sure why. This never explained why not having eyes somehow makes you a moon person. Uh, because they do seem to be able to see well enough. Like, those sisters were fighting like crazy. And Kubo's mother has both her eyes. Yeah, I wonder if you're, like, part human or, or a human, you can only do it by being blind. Yep, who knows? They never said. Never said. Also, I would hate to have been a blind person listening to this movie. I know. Being blind. I, I did think of that. Yeah, I know. I thought of that. I was like, well, being blind makes you evil? I know. They're, they're a bit hard on the, the sight metaphors here. No kidding. Also, I should mention, the Moon King is, in fact, a blind musician from the dream. Maybe I... Didn't need to mention that because everyone just assumed. But just in case you hadn't caught up to that, it's the same person. Yeah. Which is funny because the moon King in the dream was playing the Samson, which shows that that Kubo playing the Samson is part of his moon legacy. And that's never really explored either. No, it isn't. I thought that was going to be the theme rather than anything that was a theme. Right. And it shows that the moon people are capable of creativity and thought because they can play music. Yeah, I, well, See, before I knew what this movie was about, I thought it was about the instrument. Right? Oh. It, it isn't, but doesn't it sound like it is? Well, it sounds like music and song should be much more prevalent than it is. Yeah, and then I turned the movie on and I was like, there's three, <laughs> there's three strings on that thing, what's going on? Again, this would be a chance for the Moon King to express some sort of desire that Kubo be part of their family because family should be loyal to each other. I don't feel that that was very well expressed by the Moon King. It was Because they were too busy making him super duper evil. It wasn't. And he just said, like, you can be infinite and all this stuff. But he never said why he cared that Kubo was that. Yeah. Then they try and shoehorn the story theme stuff back into the conversation. Because the Moon King basically tells the story of what happened from his point of view and how his mother... It was a huge betrayal to all of them. Yeah. Which is true. And then mm-hmm. Kubo's just like, that's how your story goes. Like <laughs> like your point of view is invalid. Right. It's wrong. Because which, by it the doesn't way, agree with my point of view, which is so bizarre. He offers no explanation as to why his mother was right, just that no. you were wrong. Yeah, Kubo, don't ever get into like negotiating, yeah, business, <laughs> yeah. HR, anything that requires you to listen to other people. Right. And I'm not saying I'm in love with the evil grandfather. I get that <laughs> no. he's evil. And
1: but, yeah. yeah.
0: But it's, it's just, like, it's just not how you can do things like that. Like, he wasn't Darth Vader. Right. Evil also. Like, that that's part of the problem, maybe, is that we don't understand him or what he wants or who he is. Exactly. He's just evil because we need an evil person there. But yeah. they gave him reasons for him to be angry and then never address them in a valid way. Yeah. The mother should have apologized. Like, mm-hmm. there's just things that the mother could have done where you would have felt like, well, at least she was trying. They wouldn't even meet her halfway. But we never yeah. get that. No. She always categorically says that they're monsters and they're evil. Right. So it's two people that refuse to meet each other halfway, and yet no blame is ever put on her. Yeah. Because, and to be fair, in this situation, like, hands down, it's the moon people that are evil. But, like, no one no one ever even makes an attempt. It's just weird the way they end this movie Which we'll get into later that no one even makes an attempt to reach out to the moon people yeah (laughs) oh we have ways of dealing with that as we'll see oh kubo when you're up there with me you will be beyond stories you will be immortal you will be (laughs) infinite no you're wrong Not infinite, all stories have an end. So this is the thing that's in direct opposition to what Beatle said about stories not having an end and what the mother said that your story just changes. Exactly. Which was her contradicting herself from earlier. Yeah, so get your act together, guys. (laughs) Kubo and the Moon King fight and Kubo's almost defeated. But then he takes off the armor and reassembles the shamisen Because he doesn't really need the armor. The armor's not working. Really, no, I, yeah, right? I get it. The magic was inside him all along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure you really understood. Yeah. Because... You know, it's a constant refrain of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it's almost like the entire second act of the movie was pointless. And he didn't actually learn anything new. So, therefore, the entire second act was and just busy work. People died for no reason. It's almost like that. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, because it's not like Kubo himself was like, no, I need the armor. I can't do it myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but he, then was, he learned the magic was in him all along. He nope. was literally told to go get the armor exactly. and then was like, oh, I don't need this. Yeah so you know we just needed to fill an hour and 45 minutes you know what mission accomplished (laughs) so he reassembles his samson with his mother's hair and his father's bowstring i know why you want my eye because without it i can't look into the eyes of another and see their soul their love everything you loved is gone Everything you knew has been taken from you. No, it's in my memories, the most powerful kind of magic there is. It makes us stronger than you'll ever be. These are the memories of those we have loved and lost. And if we hold their stories deep in our hearts, then you will never take them away from us. This conversation so much nonsense. I'm so bursting with <laughs> things that I want to say I can't even decide what to begin I would also say bursting at. with rage. <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive, <laughs> Anna. I can look into another's eyes and see their soul. This is coming from someone whose main form of communication is through sound, mm-hmm. both through his storytelling and through his music. Why do we need an eye metaphor? Yeah. Yeah. Weird and out of nowhere. He has done nothing. He's not a visual artist. Like, what's you know going what's on here? Funny? He needs his ears, not his eyes. Right, but you know what's funny, too? The only time we've dealt with eyes previously, they were evil, and you weren't supposed to look at them. That's a good point. Also, the blind man, who's the Moon King, said that he could see twice twice as much truth, and he never says, now that we know who he is, what the truth is that he can see that Kubo can't because he's distracted by his eyes. Like... Yeah. So, the eye metaphor, super inconsistent. So, I don't, I still don't understand why he wants his eyes. (laughs) But the Moon King does not argue that it's, in fact, because he can see other people's humanity with his eyes. No, he 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 never says that, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's right. He never argues against it. Yeah. Never contradicts it. So, now we just get, like, evil Moon King, straight out. Like, there's no even attempt to justify himself. It's just straight up, like, mustache twirling, top hat, villain, evil. Snidely Moon King. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Then, Kupo makes this argument that memories are the most powerful kind of magic there is. Untrue. No memories so far have been used as a form of magic. Yeah, I know. We've seen a lot of magic, and none of it has been memory-related. Neither has the love of his parents. Magic is unrelated to either memories or love. Like, mm mm-hmm. Because if, if memories also... If memories are that important... First of all, that makes what they did to Hanzo the worst thing you could do to anybody. Yes. Second of all, why did everybody succeed and was okay, well, relatively okay, with what with two out of three being killed? Like, why did they succeed even though one person was missing their memories and the other person couldn't recognize well, the other person? Yeah, and Hanzo shouldn't be, if, if your memories are everything you are, mm-hmm. if your memories are the only thing that make you who you are... Then how was Hanzo? Hanzo Hanzo was not. Hanzo was essentially dead. He wasn't telling him, him that he was beat. That he was Hanzo doesn't make it true because he doesn't have Hanzo's memories. When that's all, that's why it's even worse to tell him that. Yeah, and that I think is what I found so disturbing. In it, from a child's perspective, it's disturbing anyway. But the idea of being able to take away everything that makes you who you are. It is so disturbing. Well, yeah, because it means think. that your grandmother with Alzheimer's, like, they're essentially dead. Like, they're yes. not that person anymore. Anyway. And it's true that they are different, but yeah. they're not completely different. Like, it's just. It's a really weird way of looking at it. And the other thing is they bring up this concept that you are only essentially your memories. Everything you are is defined by your memories and the story that you tell yourself of your memories. But what they never get into is what happens when those memories aren't true. And that happens all the time. Studies have shown how unreliable the human memory is and how much details change, even important things. Partly because you believe uh, the stuff that's around you and that other people say and you can be so easily influenced. Exactly. Look at Hanzo. Yeah. Look at this giant beetle man. They said, you're Hanzo. And he's like, oh, I'm Hanzo. Yeah. Who? What? But they also keep talking about stories and memories like they're the same thing. And that's not true either. Because there's a lot of stories that people tell themselves that they know aren't true. And yet they are used as aspirational tools. Just like I can tell myself that the Transformers came down to Earth however long ago. (laughs) And that doesn't make it true. Like, it doesn't change reality. And I think think that's that's the problem is they're acting like memories and stories... Like, memory changes reality, and that's not the case. And we'll get into yeah. that more in a little bit. But this is their big climactic thing. And then if we hold their love in our hearts, you can never take them away from us. Well, you can. They have. They've shown that. With I also, mean, And don't... Yes, they have. And also, don't try to act like it's the same as having them there. I mean, I get... I, no, it's, it's 100% loving your mother, the memory of your mother is not the same as her being there with you and having a conversation about everyday stuff. Yeah, and I get that it is important to be like, they can't, you know, no one can ever really take away, like, the memory and what she meant to me and all this stuff, but he's pretty much saying, like, you didn't take them away from me because they're still here with me, which I get how that would be valuable when somebody's trying to talk you into not being human anymore, but come on. And, you know, while, yes, he was being told memories of his father and the stories and he would use it, you know. It's what they lived on, literally, or mm-hmm. memories of the father. But it didn't help them, and it wasn't healthy. It was not a healthy way to no, live it wasn't because they spent all of their time looking back instead of looking forward. And uh, you know, you could even say so much so that when they finally ran into the father, they couldn't even see him. It's just like all of a sudden they needed something climactic to end on, so they just went to the most trite, overused <laughs> concept they could of like. Love and memory of loved ones is the most powerful magic of all. Bam, you're defeated with a super duper force field that I summon on my Samson. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was just out of the blue. It resolved none of the issues they brought up and in fact was wildly inconsistent with many of the things <laughs> that they brought up. Yeah. So now we cut to post crazy force field. The Moon King is very human looking, and w- including one seeing eye, who I- which I assume is Kubo's eye. It's Kubo's eye, eye because it, it's the eye that it's on the side that Kubo's missing. Yeah. It's the same color and shape. I don't even know where it came from. He was blind before. He did not have Kubo's eye in his head. No, that's what's so weird. Like, how did he have... He just had it in his pocket the whole yeah. time, I guess. And, like, the Samson blew it into his eye socket <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a calculated um, attack. Yeah. Now we see that the Moon King... Has had all of his memories wiped. He remembers nothing. It's a very sad look at a frail old man who doesn't know who he is or where he is or why. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. And so he starts asking questions like, where am I? Who am I? What's going on? And basically, the village gathers around and starts lying to him, saying, you're an awesome person. You play with old people and feed the hungry and like basically blankets to the pool. You're the best person on earth. You're such a good person. And we all super duper love you. And we love your grandson Kubo just like you do. And all of a sudden now he's a good old man that we're all supposed to root for and be happy for, because this is supposedly a happy ending you know who this would be a happy ending for? Some kind of dictatorship where they want everybody to be what they want them to be. Like, it's the ideal. All you have to do is get rid of their old memories and connections and then tell them who you want them to be, and that's who they are. Yeah. For once, that's think, what you think people... Is that what they think people are? No, exactly. Well, yeah, because I'm like, they are making the strongest argument I've ever seen in favor of nurture versus nature. Yeah. There is essentially no nature. It yeah. is all 100% nurture. Yeah, exactly. Which... Is they also sort of baffling. Like, well, and they're also infantilizing the elderly at the same time because they make him sympathetic by having him like, Oh, what? Where am I? Yeah, well, well what, I- excuse me, I seem to have lost my old man <laughs> way. And they're also taking away his free will through brainwashing. 100%. They've essentially brainwashed him. Here's the problem if you don't want Nazis to do it to you, you should not be doing it to other people. Like, very good that's a good yardstick. Right. It just it doesn't matter like if, if someone did this to you to make you agree with stuff that you didn't agree with then you shouldn't be doing it to other people. This thing of might makes right. That's not yeah. true. Like, and if, if you would view it as a, a violation of your human rights. Exactly. Maybe shy away from that. He chose to be what he was. Yeah. He made those decisions and to take that away from him is to deny him his humanity and his right of personhood. Mm-hmm. And it is ridiculous. There's no Downside to this that they ever show. And it also takes away his opportunity to learn his mistakes and to atone for them. Yeah. And you can argue that, you know, well, he already lost it when he was going to kill Kubo or whatever he was doing. But, you know, we say that about a lot of people, and, you know, there are a lot of people who turn their lives around but I would also argue that it would be better to just kill him because according to their own logic they've essentially killed him anyway yeah he's just a walking shell they filled now with another person yeah I know exactly because if your memories are your magic well sorry he has no memories anymore he's not the same person he's not anywhere near the same person and you have it's just such a a massively gross violation of and they've erased his story yes by telling him a different one and they'll never bring it up yes will never be told again. Yeah. They they have killed him in every way that they've shown. Mm-hmm. I and it doesn't change any of the wrongs that were done on both sides to people. It doesn't make anyone feel better. And now Kubo is gonna have to live with this man that he knows is responsible for the death of his of his parents and this yeah. whole family feud. And you can argue that, well, he's so heroic, but like that's not healthy either. Because no, it he isn't. never has a chance for closure. And he never has a chance. And and his grandfather never has a chance to change or or explain explain, or in any way. And this is the thing. So you can say, well, you know, people forgive people for murdering their family. You know, it it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but walking up to them one day or in a courtroom closing argument saying, I forgive you is not the same as taking them to your house and living with them. But None of... It is just so cruel. And their own logic made it all the crueler what they did. I know. It is... Cruel and unusual punishment, and it has never shown that way. It's just an insane story. And I have to say, I didn't care about any of the characters the entire movie. No, I never did either. Actually, the characters that I cared for the most were the Moon Sisters, because I really felt their pain in a way that I didn't feel a lot of the other characters' pain. Yeah. And I think that's what bothered me. Yeah, And they were filled with this incredible rage, and you could feel how justified it was from their own point of view, because they couldn't understand it, and no one... And I don't know if anyone ever bothered to try and make them understand it because we never saw any attempt like that. No. And they were the characters that I felt the worst for. And they were pawns more than, more than anybody because they're getting told by their father, you know, they were raised this way. They're mm-hmm. getting told, do these things, this is bad. And then their sister goes and betrays everybody. And so then they're stuck. Also, the moral that they take away from this, the whole, like, your memories—they're everything. The memories of the people you love are the most powerful thing you can have. Whatever the weird moral is that we are supposed to take away from this, it's unrelated to Kubo's struggle. Yeah, it is. Kubo didn't learn anything. Kubo already knew this stuff at the beginning. He was the one that was t- that was keeping alive the stories of his parents. He learned how to rewrite people he didn't like. <laughs> <Well, I> no? <know. laughs> but his his main problem actually is that he had a mother who wasn't taking care of him the way he should and that was never resolved other than the mother died yeah i know well solved that problem (laughs) yeah it was like he didn't have any struggle that he went through like he had no character Mm -hmm. arc he never changed Mm -mm. and he was never shown as having anything he needed to change which makes the moral at the end of the movie all the more like feeling like you're being hit in the head with a hammer because kubo didn't have to learn it yeah, and there wasn't ever a sense that he was fixing something like a great cosmic injustice or anything that would have had to have been done anyway. Yeah. Because it only, they were only a threat to him. Yes. And if he had stayed hidden, it would never have been a problem. And because the Moon Kingdom, we don't ever see that they're doing something bad on a worldwide scale to anybody else ever. Or causing any kind of change in the world that's bad, that needs to be fixed. Yeah. They're not the ruling class. They're not going to come find Kubo. Kubo doesn't have a magical destiny. He needs to overtake their kingdom. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. It's just they found you and now they want to kill you. Yeah. So it all could have been avoided. Yeah, and there's so many ways they could have changed Kubo to give him a fatal flaw that he needed to fix over the course of the movie. Like, it would have been so easy. You could have even kept the same... Message at the end, hopefully, better thought out. <laughs> as long as Kubo was the one that needed to learn it, and through his learning it, he can now defeat the Moon King in a way that he wouldn't have been able to before. That's the way story structure works. Like, what is going on? This is a movie about story. And this <laughs> what is, is story. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So then the movie ends with everyone sending paper lanterns down the li- the river, including Kubo. Because apparently this is a festival we cannot do enough. Maybe up to the next year. I don't know. <laughs> Unclear. It seems like it's the same night. I think it is. Um, but Kubo also sends two paper lanterns down for his parents. And, and the they show ends. up in ghost form. And we see Hanzo for the first and only time in his human form. Yes. So done and done. And then the movie ends, weirdly, with a cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Oh, that was insane. Guys, did you notice that in her own movie, music was not a theme? Why did you use While My Guitar Gently Weeps? He wasn't actually using music to tell his (laughs) stories. He was only using music to animate the little origami paper while he told his story with words. With words, words. yeah, exactly. Also, can I point out that Hanzo looks a lot older than he should have ever been? (laughs) Maybe it's the worry. Maybe so. He got turned into a Beatle. Is this just like an artist's rendering of the ghost he would have had? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so that's Kubo and the Two Strings. It didn't do that well, did it? It didn't. No, but no one ever talks about it not doing well because it was so critically acclaimed and everyone loves it. Like, I've yeah. never met anyone who wasn't like, oh, I love that movie. No, and so I great. only ever heard, except in this house, uh, that people loved it. So I was surprised to see it didn't didn't even make its budget back. Well, yeah, so its budget was $60 million, and it made $77.5 million. But it was nominated for a couple of Oscars. But I just couldn't believe, after seeing it, how well-reviewed it was by the crit I mean, that's the only reason we're talking about it right now. Because it's really not, on the whole, like, if you have children and you need to keep them quiet for two hours, this movie is as good as any. Stick it on. Because they're not going to think about it as much like hopefully they don't absorb any of the really terrible messages that are being told in here and if they just view it as a story then it's fine well and you know i have to say i wouldn't i would actively not show this to my children i would not ever want them to see that portrayal of children being caretakers i think it's so damaging one i wouldn't want them to see the them wiping the grandfather's memories and all the characters in the movie acting like that was fine yeah yeah that Absolutely. was super troubling to me. I, th- I think there's a lot of things in this movie that are not appropriate for anyone, really, but especially not for children. And they did bring up a lot of themes that would have been interesting if they'd actually explored them in a meaningful way. But yeah. they were so busy just bringing stuff up <laughs> that they never did. And and I feel like they didn't like the how complex the conclusions would have been in, mm-hmm. for a lot of the themes that they brought up. So they just never concluded them at all. So next up, we're going to watch a Christmas themed movie, Krampus. Starring Adam Scott and Tony Collette, which I have been meaning to watch anyway. So two words with one stone. And it's based on a German Christmas legend. Yes. Which I had actually only heard about like before this trailer came out. I'd only briefly heard about it based on an American Dad episode <laughs> that starred Krampus from when I was editing trailers for them. American Dad. Edutainment. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.